0: Hey, before you read about it on Facebook or Twitter or hear about it from your friends, find out what today's big stories really mean with me, Sean Hannity, today at 2, right here on AM
1: 560, The Answer. Dan and Amy, so the uh, surprisingly quick, I thought, verdict in the uh, Jason Van Dyke case on Friday afternoon. Uh, Thankfully, the response was peaceful. And um, frankly, largely celebratory. Uh, Dan Herbert was Jason Van Dyke's defense attorney, and he had this to say after the verdict. We've
0: all heard about the Ferguson effect, and I, I can only imagine that if police officers think that they can never fire against somebody that is acting the way Laquan McDonald did when they're 12 feet away from them, uh, I, I think that what he, we are going to have is police officers are going to become security guards. Uh, there will not be a police officer getting out of a car to confront somebody. And maybe that's what everyone wants. I don't know. We'll have to see how it plays out.
2: And that's what I heard all week long from my police officer friends is that they're back into the fetal position. I got they're it. not going to risk their not seeing their daughters graduate from high school or walk them down the aisle to, to because of th- what happened,
1: police officers becoming security guards. I got a text from a Chicago police officer friend of mine who said, mm-hmm. uh, "Today is the day that proactive policing died." We'll see. Um, but in terms of the four corners of this case, uh, one thing was clear from the verdict number, uh, uh, particularly how quickly it was re- reached. Uh, how quickly it was reached. One, they thought that the first shot fired was unlawful. So much so much has been made of the 16 shots, but convicted on 16 counts of aggravated battery with a firearm means that he should have never fired in the first place, according to the jury. Number two, uh, from uh, the jurors speaking, some of them after the verdict was announced, Mm -hmm. they didn't believe Jason Van Dyke. So the decision to put him on the stand.
2: Yeah, they did not like the fact They, they said it was he was too rehearsed. Some didn't believe him. And then there was also the closing arguments. One um, juror, she was a four woman. she said that she was upset that Dan Herbert brought race into it. I don't feel that it did until the end. The statement that was made at the end was wrong to me. The Boy Scout statement. I just didn't feel that was appropriate. And this was uh, Dan Herbert, the defense attorney. Uh... You no, know, that was really unappropriate. We're past all of that. We 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 didn't come here because of race. So we came here for right and wrong. That's
1: all. Right, and she was referring to essentially saying Laquan McDonald was no Boy Scout. Right. Yeah. All right. For more on uh, the uh, trial and the verdict and the implications, we're pleased to be joined by Dan Herbert, defense attorney for Jace Van Dyke. Dan, thanks for being with us. Appreciate it. Sure. Good morning. Morning. Uh, so uh, let's just start with uh, a big decision for you and the defense team, and that was to put Van Dyke on the trial. Uh, from what you heard from jurors after the fact about, uh, frankly, they didn't think Van Dyke cleared the credibility threshold. Do you regret that decision?
0: I don't. Um, it, it, it's always a difficult decision whether or not uh, to put your client on. At the end of the day, it's the client's decision, but right. – uh, you know, had he not testified, we would have been hearing, uh, different things from the jurors that he must've been guilty because he didn't testify. So, uh, no, it, it, the, only, the only pause that I had about putting him on is that the case was going in so well for us at the evidence standpoint that, uh, you know, I was careful about not wanting to risk everything by having my client take the stand. But at the end of the day, um, I don't think he moved the needle one way or the other, but uh, the goal is not to not to uh, go backwards, and oh. I don't think he did.
2: Yeah, all weekend long, I've just been praying for him and his family. And how's he doing? I know he's in the Cermak Hospital, that's so he's not in general population. But what what what's going to happen?
0: Well, we're going to wait for sentencing, and uh, you know we're going to certainly try and get these charges and the uh, verdict dismissed. <laughs> Uh, based on a number of factors, but, uh, you know, at the end of the day, the worst he should be looking at is, um, and it is bad, but it's six years in jail, which would be at 50%. Uh, So three years uh, is really what he's looking at, should be looking
1: at. Really? I mean, even with the 16 counts of, uh, 16 counts in which he was convicted for aggravated assault with a firearm?
0: Yeah, it it would have made no difference whether it was uh, one Guilty verdict for one count of the ag bat or 16. It's all a single fiscal act. And the same is, is true with uh, with the second degree murder uh, conviction. The court cannot sentence on both egg and second degree murder, so uh, there's going to have to be one of them will have to be dropped. Okay. And it's likely going to be there.
1: Were, su- were you surprised? Uh, uh... By the verdict, or do you just come to the realization perhaps that the, the video evidence was uh, just not surmountable?
0: Well, you're right about the, the latter part of your statement. Uh, we, we know, as we sit here today, that the video evidence uh, was insurmountable because that was the only evidence that the state presented in support of its case everything else um i, I think we've won every single day the defense uh, going into this and you know obviously the goal is not for us to uh, to win uh, these days but it's it's to not lose you hear the burden was was backwards we we came into this case he was convicted of first-degree murder and we had to present evidence to get the jury off of first-degree murder and and we did that even though the outcome was not ideal. Um, that it's a reality here.
2: I loved what you said in your closing, um, statements that if he would have listened and would have dropped his knife, then he'd still be here today. Cause that's true. I mean, he, he how many calls were there to ask, ask him to please drop the knife before shots were fired?
0: Oh, there was over 50. I know 50 times where police officers in, in uh, full uniform with lights, sirens blaring and, uh, told him to drop his knife. He didn't do it. Uh, but here now, uh, there won't be uh, confrontations for individuals like that. It will be the, the police will wait till he gets tired or just gives up or kills somebody. So, um, you know, we're not going to have, we're not going to have these problems in the future, unfortunately, so unfortunately, depending how you look at it.
1: Yeah. Um, the, the question that sort of bedeviled me, uh, that I, if I was a juror I'd want a pretty compelling answer to. From the video you see obviously officers at the scene and then Jason Van Dyke and his partner roll up on the scene and uh, Jason Van Dyke makes the decision to open fire and no other police officer on the scene did. How do you explain that?
0: I think uh, Jason Van Dyke was was put into a situation that really was a perfect storm against him. Um, Yeah, he got out of that car and he fired quickly, but he got out of the car. He was in a bad position. Um, You know, part of that was his partner kind of put him in that spot. And, you know, to be quite honest, these other police officers did not contain the situation at all. Um, It was continuing to escalate and the the situation was continuing to get out of control.
2: What do you mean by Um, his partner put him in that position?
0: Well, when he pulled up and, and, uh, and stopped the squad car, you know, you have to get out of the squad car because that's really the most dangerous place to be in if if you're going to be uh, attacked by somebody. So when he jumps out, now he's got the squad car behind him, and he's got uh, Laquan McDonald dancing on him. He didn't have anywhere to to get any shielding or turn around and run because he was just in that spot right there confronting. So, so
1: so physically the partner should have established a wider perimeter is what you're saying.
0: Yeah. You know, in hindsight, you can look at a lot of different things, but it's like when you pull up on a, on a a bank robbery, you you don't want to pull up right in front of the, the door. You know, you always want to give yourself a little bit of room and, uh, and that wasn't done here, and uh, you know that certainly factored into uh, Van Dyke's
1: quick decision. Well, the example, the fire. the issue you just said, uh, Laquan McDonald was advancing on him. You know the from the tape, and this was an interesting part of the testimony that Van Dyke offered as well. He thought he was backpedaling as he was shooting, and clearly the tape shows he wasn't. So that you know it just goes to kind of his orientation in that moment and how he remembers what went down. So that that was interesting, but you know the the position is Laquan McDonald was advancing on Van Dyke, and what the videotape seems to indicate is that like La- look La- laquan McDonald was you know angling away from Van Dyke, and this is something that uh, a lot of people hung their hat on as well in terms of saying the shoot was bad,
0: yeah, and that's why we did our uh, animation recreation where um, we showed un, un- uh, evidence that. The client Donald was absolutely advancing on Jason Van Dyke. He got within. Uh, he went from thirty-nine feet to, uh, I believe, it was thirteen feet in uh, in a matter of seconds. So, um, the notion that he was moving away from Jason Van Dyke is was simply proven false.
2: Have you spoken with your client this weekend? How's Jason doing and his family?
0: You know what? I have not spoken with him. Uh, I understand his family was at Nash yesterday. Um, I believe we are similar, his friends are going to go see him tomorrow. Um,
1: at the county, uh, FOP, uh, I get, maybe it's Kevin Graham, but I, I, got, I heard a statement over the weekend from uh, Chicago FOP that they, there's going to be an appeal, uh, to the conviction. Is that your understanding? Is that what you're planning?
0: Yeah, that, that is my understanding. I mean, there's, there's really a lot of appealable issues here, and I think certainly this uh, the venue issue um, is the venue issue in, in the jury instructions. Um, you know, I listened to a lot of the jurors talk about um, some of the reasoning for, for uh, voting, uh, rendering the verdict that they rendered, and a lot of those were contrary to law. You know, one was that, well, he should have uh, used some less, lethal options prior to using his firearm, and, and that's, that's contrary to law. The law says that police officers not have to use less road tournaments. We try to get a jury instruction on that issue, we denied.
2: So, well, what do you think it means, um, too, that they found him not guilty on the police misconduct charge?
0: I think it's an inconsistent verdict because that they found him not guilty of violating a law while acting as a police officer. But then they kind of joking violating laws,
1: so um, it's it's inconsistent. Let me uh, let me ask you this: um, You had another decision to make uh, prior to the the important decision of whether Van Dyke testifies on his own behalf or not, and that was jury trial or bench trial. Why jury trial, and not bench trial? Do you regret that decision? We do not regret that decision one bit. Okay the decision
0: it was a difficult decision um but it really wasn't for my client um it was difficult for me as a lawyer but that's another decision that has to be made by the client and um jason's mindset all along was i am in this situation because of politics and i am not going to allow my my fate to be decided based upon the same politics so for him it was it was
1: really never an issue. Yeah. I mean, I can understand that if I, in Cook County, I mean, obviously we know where these judicial uh, nominees and these judges come from. And so, you know, the, yeah the politics of it and consideration by one person in terms of the implications of uh, acquitting him on these charges. Um, so I, I understand that. And I understand that was a difficult decision. Um, it, just kind of generally speaking, uh, it, it, you heard, uh, uh the one you reacting to your mention of Laquan McDonald not being a boy scout. And there was much evidence presented at trial that substantiates that claim, but there is, and I hate to Monday morning quarterback you, but I'm sure you're doing it to yourself too. Is there anything that you would have said or done differently in the presentation of the defense for Van Dyke?
0: Honestly, no, nothing of, of anything major. I mean, I, I look at every, every opening close, witness that I put on every trial, I always look, say, should I have done this? Should I have done that? And I think that in every situation, I always come up with a couple of things that I think could have been done uh, differently. But honestly, in this case, I really am proud about how this trial was, uh, was conducted. And, uh, you know, despite the guilty voted to, um, you know, I think anyone that watches a trial that understands the rule of law. We'll, we'll say that you know we won every single day of that case, um, and that's what we had to do to get him off this first degree murder case.
1: All right, he is Dan Herbert, uh, criminal defense attorney for Jason Van Dyke. Dan, thanks for joining us. Appreciate your time. Sure, take care.
2: And he joined us on our Turnkey Pro Answer Line.
0: There's only one radio show in Chicago talking about today's biggest stories and telling you what they really mean. That show is this one. Chicago's Morning Answer on AM560, The Answer.